Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Skinner wants to bring it right back in, and he will. Feathers it through. Power to the net. Scores! Owen Power to the net. And the Sabres lead it 2-1 here in the second period. If you haven't seen that highlight, that's Jeff Skinner's second unbelievable pass of the year. The, the other one from, boy, who was it against? Remember like the goal of the year when Skinner to talk to Thompson and was it Columbus? No. Oh, oh it was Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Because Hellebuck was just... <laughs> it's the same type of pass. He almost like yes. throws the guy open. Yep, like a through ball right to power, which I can't even believe it got there. It's an incredible pass from Skinner. He, by the way, tied his career high in assists. With that assist, and nice. there's th- and there's 30 games left almost. Nice hands for uh, nice hands by Power. That was soft, a nice the, soft finish for him. They celebrated by getting him a uh, taxi to the airport. Taxi squad. He was on the taxi squad. Do you remember that taxi squad? He skated with the taxi squad. It's about taxi squad. It's all about trying to motivate. Someone. Happened. Yeah, I know. Happened. No, it didn't. I'm blocking that out. On our Western Hotline to talk a little bit hockey is Mr. Paul Hamilton, and uh, he is joining us right now. And Paul's segment on WGR is brought to you by Equitable Advisors, thinking about today and planning for tomorrow, and by Relax Honda. Relax, we got this. Good morning, Mr. Hamilton. Happy President's Day. Good morning. Day. How are you? I'm good, because the Sabres won a couple games. So, you know, I wasn't saying I was on the ledge, but the, the ledge was in sight. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Well, the great thing about it was they didn't really play their best hockey throughout the trip, but they found ways to win games in the in the last two games of the trip. You know, and really the Los Angeles game was a 10-minute segment where they gave up four goals. And other than that, they played, you know, at least a, a game that you maybe could have won if uh, you didn't completely collapse. But... Uh, you know, the last two, they found ways to win. I mean, against the Sharks, the first two periods certainly weren't their best hockey of the year, but they got out of it with 2-2 tie. Lukanen had made 25 saves in the four, first 40 minutes and really, you know, helped them get that 2-2 tie. And uh, then in the third period, they did play Sabres hockey. They outshot the Sharks 18-8, to forced turnovers, got in, uh, got pucks and, and uh, people to the net. And as Don Granado said in the clip uh, that the Sabres released after the game, told the team, you know, you guys finally got it. You got the shooting mentality. Instead of trying to pass and pass and make the pretty play, you got the shooting mentality, and look what happened. You know, look at how well we played in that period. So, um, they, they, you know, they got away with playing one really good period and two eh, periods, but they still won the game, and that's what matters. They found a way. I thought it was interesting, Paul. I watched the uh, Granado's post-game presser and that discussion because, you know, Jeremy was just talking about some of the highlight goals and the passing and Skinner. And, you know, we know this is a Darlene, uh, you know, made some really nice passes. One uh, 
Jost hits the post on a beautiful diagonal pass. And then he uh, makes a really nice play on the empty net goal. We know this team is really good, and they're talented, and they're a good passing team. So it was interesting because Granada was asked about that balance of, you know, they're good, they're creative, but at some point sometimes you don't want them to overpass and ma- try and make the perfect play, yet they're, re- they're really good at finding the open guy and setting up maybe an easier shot at times. Well, Skinner didn't have a shot really, and he had, he had a player going to the net, and he feathered uh, just a perfect pass through to power and uh, you know had to get it through traffic, got it right on his stick. But if you look at the play, he really didn't have a shot. I mean, he, he feathered that through from almost right in front of the blue line, or right over the blue line, I should say. Uh, and just it was a good read by, by Power to go to the net. And uh, so, you know, there, you know, the, you know if he would have shot that puck, that wasn't going to make it to the net and it wasn't going to make it to Power. So it was, it was a good read by Skinner and then a, a fantastic pass just to feather through to him. You know, um, you mentioned meh for the first two periods, and then they were clearly the, the better team in the third. The guy who was really good in the first two periods, the best saber was their goalie. And it, it's already – we've already – Established the fact that UPL's taken the number one job and he's running with it, but he is now. I mean that th- those were some really big saves he made. A couple of late period stops on breakaways. He did a fantastic job the other night. Really, of he's playing in pressure games now, Paul, and he's coming up big. And in this instance, protecting a lead or keeping it tied and giving his team a chance to win. Well, Howard, there's a reason I don't coach in the NHL because, as you know, I mentioned it a few times. I, I thought the Sabres were making a mistake by letting him sit on a 7-2 to loss for a week. I thought he should have played Wednesday and, you know, played as, kind of as soon as he could and not have to sit on that for a week. Well, he was fine yeah. <laughs> sitting on that for a week. He, he had no problems at all. Uh, he, he came out and played a really good – well, a really good game, but for 40 minutes – if he doesn't play as well as he did, you know, now maybe the Sabres have some, pro- uh, some problems on their hands trying to get back in it. And neither goal were, were his fault. I mean, one, the first goal is a tip in. The second goal he doesn't even see coming. It goes off the back wall, and the, and the Sharks get a lucky bounce. And it comes out, and they, they wound up scoring on that play. So you, you can't fault him on either goal. He made some really good saves. And... Uh, set the Sabres up for the third period where they did play very well. Can we spend just a moment? Is it, can I still ask you to do a little Rasmus Dahlin appreciation, even though we're talking about how his, his game has been elevated to the point where he should be in the discussion with the best defenseman in the league, and we were yelling and screaming when he wasn't on the All-Star roster. You know, you, you watch him, Paul, and like I said, just little plays on the empty net goal, avoiding a four-checker, Second guy's coming, and he, and he does the perfect pop-up pass for Tuck. Josh doesn't score, but it's a great read. I think left point to right post, and he, and he hits him on a diagonal pass. His passing, not just his skating, yes, his stick handling, his offensive ability, but his passing and his decision-making and his vision. I'd like you to do a little bit of a Rasmus Dallin appreciation moment, if you don't mind. Well, I'll do it by saying if Eric Carlson wins the Norris, it's an absolute... Uh... It, it's it's another one of these, well, he's got the most points, so he's got to win the Norris Trophy. He's never been good defensively in his career. And in the third period especially, he was absolutely awful in that game. 
That was some of the worst defensive hockey I've seen out of defensemen, and I don't know how long. The Sabres pressured him in one shift, and in 10 seconds he, he turned the puck over three times, just egregious turnovers. And he turned the puck over all night long, and he is not the best defenseman in the league this year. Yes, he has the most points, but he couldn't hold a candle to Rasmus Dahlin defensively. Hold a candle to him. And uh, so that <laughs> there's an appreciation for you right there. That, uh, And I, I have the feeling he probably will win the Norris Trophy because it, it, it doesn't go to the best defenseman. It goes to the defenseman with the most points usually, who isn't necessarily the best defenseman in the league. But it just was a reminder, since I don't see the Sharks all that often, how horribly bad he is defensively. And he's worse now than he used to be. That that was awful the other night. What did you make? What did what did you think of the changing on the D pairs? Yoke, how are you back with Darlene and Samuelson over with power? Well, they didn't use Clegg all that much. He only mm-hmm. used him for seven minutes. He was on the ice for both San Jose goals, and after that, he hardly played. He played one shift in the third period, and and you know that gives Darlene more ice time, which is good. And it, and you know Yoki Haru and Power and and Samuelson, they all played more. Labushkin was about the same. I mean, Labushkin was getting shifts in the third period, but he only played fourteen or fifteen minutes, so that gave Darlene more ice time to be out there. And uh, as you said, uh, he he took total advantage of it, not only with the plays he was making offensively and the passes he was making, but, you know, helping uh, to play really good defense in the third. I mean, they, Yoki Haru broke up a two-on-one, but they, really the Sharks really didn't have that many great scoring chances in the third period mm-hmm. uh, because Buffalo had a lot of puck possession and a lot of offensive zone time uh, leading to the Sharks not getting much, and Darlene was a big part of that. We're with Paul Hamilton, Sabres home. Tomorrow night, by the way, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I got a question about them in a moment for you, Paul. Dylan Cousins scored his 20th goal of the season Saturday night. Sabres, by the way, insert stat of the day. The only team in the league with five 20-goal scorers. So Dylan Cousins hits 20. And another guy, Paul, that we've been talking about, a young guy really coming into his own. Uh, just, I guess, talk a little bit about the offensive side of his game because 20 goals is is a really nice milestone a nice place to be for Dylan Cousins this season I think I might have mentioned this to you once before he has a very deceptive shot I think he scores more goals that you say boy I would the goaltender wishes he had that back than any well, any other guy that's what was team. Saturdays yeah from absolutely the side there. was yeah. uh, he just gets a lot of goals where you think oh boy the goalie would want that back and to me I don't know if it's the release of his shot I don't know if it just is sneaky that that it, it it it's deceptive, uh, but he he just gets a lot of goals. I mean, that just goes right through the wickets uh, of the goaltender, yeah. the, the young goaltender of the Sharks, and he has his twentieth. And uh, he does have a, a more of a shooting mentality, maybe as most. And he's he's maybe exhibit A of see what happens when you shoot the puck, you know, type of a thing. You get pucks to the net, yeah. good things might happen, type of a thing. And he wasn't afraid to do it. I mean, that was a winder up behind the net, come all the way out, go right down the right side. The Sharks let him. But what the Sharks did, they, they, they did their jobs. They, you know, had him off on the wall, and they had him off on a bad angle. Well, that's what you want to do as a defenseman. 
and your goaltender's got to make that stop, but he didn't. So that, that was a good start for them. Last thing on the Sabres, then we'll get to Toronto. The, the, what you just said, get, see what happens when you get pucks to the net and maybe have more of a shooter's mentality. Couldn't you say the same thing about Casey Middlestat? Because it seems like, you know, I know they pointed it out on the broadcast the other night, like they've been telling him, the coaches have been telling him to try and shoot more, and he seems to be doing that, and his, his offense has gone up in the last month. Coaches, since he started here, have been telling him to shoot more because he does have a good shot. You've, you've seen it. You know, he, he can rip it when, when, he, when he comes down the winger or something like that. And the goal he scored in Anaheim was just perfection where, you know, he knew, he knew that uh, the, the Ducks thought he was going to pass because that's all the Sabres did in that game is give up great opportunities to try to pass for a better opportunity. He knows that. He was watching the game, so he knows the goaltender's probably thinking that too. So he's looking for the pass. As he's backing up with the puck, he's looking for the pass, knowing he's not going to shoot it, or not to pass it, rather. He's just trying to fake the goaltender out, and the goaltender bit, and he rips the shot, almost a no-look shot, and uh, it goes in the net because the goaltender's cheating on the pass because he thinks, well, this is Casey Middlestead. He'll he'll definitely pass. Mm-hmm. You know, if the rest of them will, he definitely will. And uh, it was just a, a very deceptive and a very good play by Casey Middlestad. Paul, on Middlestad, is his stretch here something the Sabres should be buying or selling? I've had a lot of people say to me, this is the best time you could pick to trade him. Because this, his value might be the best now than it would, has been in a long, long time. You know, the, trade him while he's hot type of a thing if if you're looking at that so what kevin adams and don granado have to figure out is can you get this kind of play that you've gotten maybe out of the last what do you want to say month month and a half month, out of yeah. middle stat 20 25 games 30 yeah. games yeah yeah can you get that consistently now is is that casey Middlestad? is that what you're going to get going forward and that's that's what they've got to figure out or do they think well you know what, maybe it's something, you know, we can get more for him now because he's playing really well and we're not sure he's going to be part of the future going forward. Yeah, he's not exactly old. I mean, he's 24, but the next contract for him comes after next year. And what he's done in these last 30 games for $2.5 million is great. What's the next contract look like? And, you know, with the last couple contracts they've locked in, Paul, there's been very little debate. I mean, Thompson, great. He... He made them look pretty smart, exploding even further right after it. Uh, Dylan Cousins, right? Like, very, very young, having a career year, looking like he's going in the right direction. With Middlestat, there's been so much, I don't even say up and down, but just meh. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of meh in there, and I mm-hmm. wonder if they're willing to buy on that. My guess is that they, not that they're eager to move, but push comes to shove, I don't know that he gets another contract from them. What's interesting is, you know, how old, and I'm not at all saying he's going to score 38 goals slash 50 goals, but how old was Tate Thompson when he when he came to the part? He was 24, you know, when he uh, finally grew into what he might be in the NHL. Uh, for Rasmus Dahlin, it was his fourth year. He wasn't 24 because he started at 18, but it was his fourth year when he really became Rasmus Dahlin, you know, after struggling mightily in some case in some games you know before that so there are two examples right there of you know what it takes a little bit with some players and uh 
and and I I've always kind of said that about Middlestad. Like I don't know if I'm ready to give up on him or not, but now you got to look at it. Okay, this is what he's doing now. Is this what you can expect moving forward with him? And uh, you're right. You know they're going to have a decision to make. Should we move him? Uh, what kind of contract would you know? Would we be willing to sign? Would he be willing to sign that? What would the money be? You know, I don't see a seven-year deal for Casey Middlestad coming. You know, maybe maybe they'll surprise me, but right now, even as well as he's playing, I don't see him getting a seven-year deal for X amount of dollars. Yeah, and the RFA status would, of course, give them some control. And also make him maybe a little more appealing if you were trying to shop him or if anybody asked about him, that anybody acquiring him does get that RFA status that, uh, you know, he's not exactly like a rental that's going to walk out. And he, I think, would be the summertime trade, you know, not necessarily the, you know, trade deadline trade. You know, so if if that if you decided that, all right, maybe now's the time to move him, I, maybe that's something you do with the draft or before the draft or something like that. All right, Mr. Hamilton, have fun tomorrow, and uh, we'll chat with you again. Okay, guys. Thanks, Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul's uh, segment brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Thinking about today, planning for tomorrow. And by Relax Honda Relax, we got this. Hey, the guy who does Locked On Sabres podcast, he uh, he tweeted something out. Joe, who does that? I'm just uh, Career highs for Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, Rasmus Dahlin, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat. Joe, those are all points. Career highs. It says goals. some some say goals, some say assists, some say and then points. Skinner's assist and Olafson yeah. goals. So Thompson, Tuck, Darlene, Cousins have all set career highs in goals, assists, and, and points. points. Wow. Middlestat has already an assist and points, it. and then Skinner and Olafson. Yeah, not bad. And Skinner's first- set a career high in assists with ten years in the league, and he's gonna blow by his point total like very soon here. Like he's on pace for ninety points, and he's never had more than sixty three. It's a good thing he's you know figured out passing concepts. It's nice to see that uh, they're able to play him, and he doesn't hold the team back. Eight oh three oh five fifty to join us this morning. Hey, there was a lot going on this weekend: Sabers, XFL, golf, NBA, Daytona five hundred. Uh, what'd you watch? What grabbed you? You can let us know. If there's anything else you want to get to, that's fine too. I got a spicy take to serve up for you. I got a. You got one? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to bring up the Daytona 500 thing, but not sound like a like someone who we hate in, when it comes to sports fans. Okay. I'll explain that too. Yeah, because there's that really the thing I'm going to do is something I can't stand that people do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I like it. I control. I've got the left foot down in bounds. Let's go to our line feed against the spot. Dean, I had some traffic there. I can't hear you. Yeah, Mike, we're looking at the catch at the sideline. I've got a really good look. I've got control, and I've got the right foot down and bound, so we're just going to give you a new spot. So we're going to go to the 46. It's going to be first and 10. First and 10. It's going to be on the right hash. Right hash. And we're going to go. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... 
you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. On the ready for play. And we're on the ready. So first yep. 10 at the 46. You got it. Thank you. In All the right. library with the candlestick. Sorry, close. Before you rage about Daytona, not that you're going to rage. No, I just have a I, stupid thing to say. I'd like to, I'm going to go, I don't know if this is a contrarian opinion. I don't think that's awesome. I like it. I don't think it's awesome. I think it is a different way to package the same thing that you're going to be mad about. Here's Dean Blandino telling the official on the field who used to have the power to just do all of those things. Now, Dean Blandino for the XFL does it, and he tells him exactly what to do. I have a a few points on this. Number one, do you know why that works? Because nobody cares about the XFL. Okay, that's That's a very, very big part of this. Nobody cares. You're not going to get upset. But, number two. I don't even have number two. Number one, that's it. But if they do this in the NFL, it's not that play. I mean, I didn't see that play, but it sounds like it wasn't that hard to make a decision It's an obvious play. It's the play that that you know they look at for ten minutes and then they call it and they re- and we look like what the hell did you guys see why why did you reverse that or why did you uphold it we have some kind of an insight into what the league is thinking on these controversial catch no catch calls we already know no we don't know what they're we we, we they make a review they make a ruling we're like what the hell are you guys the the guy in the booth disagrees with the guy on the field for goodness but sake. the guy on the booth Gene Steratore I meant, I meant yeah not yeah. the guy in the no. booth the sky judge but Gene Steratore will then explain to you well they must have ruled this. I need Gene Steratore out of my Sundays, and you want his boss on the line. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, when Mike Perez says, I think they should call this, but I have no idea what they're going to do, I'd like to know that's what because, exactly they're thinking. That's because it's subjective. Like, it's always going to be subjective. Here's the biggest thing out of all this. The XFL, I assume now, is one foot in, control one foot. Fine, go, go, go back to that, NFL. That's the college rule, right? Possession, one foot. Do that! Do that! Is the, I know, pro- the pro- is the it's too easy for the pros. Blah, blah. No, no, no. Is the pro- that. is the problem the feet? The problem is there's too many layers to the rule. But I mean, if you're only going from two feet to one foot and keeping all of the, you're not continuing the play. You're not finishing the play. I got the ball. I got a foot in. Boom. You go out of bounds and the ball moves. Who cares? Do they do that for a fumble too? Ooh, fumble rules. Uh, if it's one foot for a no. catch, it's got to be one foot for a fumble. Oh, so you're saying you've caught a ball, one foot turn, and you're hit, and the ball comes out? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's a fumble. In the XFL, we that, had that play in the in the Super Bowl. No, right? in the XFL, that's a fumble. One foot down, catching I, I, a ball. I don't know what the fumble rule is. In well, the you're XFL. saying one foot down in the XFL, catching the ball, going out of bounds. One should foot should be a fumble. Okay, well, if one foot's a catch, then one foot's a fumble. Fine. Wow. I mean, that's, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Was it the Super Bowl or one of the conference championship games? It was the games, Super Bowl. It was a Miles catch, Sanders. Hit, the ball came out. That should be a fumble. Right. It wasn't a fumble. That it was, should be. It was two steps. And a turn, and that was not a fumble. Let's just simplify everything. Do you have the ball? Did you get a foot down? Are you breathing? And it's a, it's a catch. It's not a catch. It's a fumble. It's too many layers on everything in the National Football League. Just go simple. I don't care anymore. That, I've stopped caring about layers. Yeah, me too. And there's what what's going to happen if they do this? Again, it's the XFL, so they'll get away with it. They'll get a call wrong, and no one will be that mad because no one's going to Take Unless to Twitter. Has money on it. I don't think they're going to have threats of personal injury to Dean Blandino from Battlehawks fans. Let's Ready? hope not. Yeah. Okay. You think that's that's such a good idea? Although, to be fair, there were lemons thrown on the that's field. That's true. Last night. That's true. They did do that at one of the games. <laughs> what? 
Yes. Does anybody want that job? Look at what happens in the NFL when an official makes a call wrong. The pool reporter asks, what did you see? Mm-hmm. They say what they saw, and everyone yells at him anyway. Right. So The difference here, though, is you're only being yelled at after you don't have to worry about, I'm going to get screamed at by the coach, and i got to walk over there in two seconds. <laughs> no, you're just going to get death threats online, because now you are the sole sky judge person that went on television and said, I didn't see possession here, while well, we can all see it. That happened. Who was the catch? Was the Devonta Smith catch? Mm-hmm. Yes. The Devonta Smith catch that did count that shouldn't have against the Niners. Yeah, the one where they, they didn't, didn't even challenge it in time. And by the time they showed a replay, it was too late. They'd yep. come back from break. They ran another play. And then finally we saw so the in, angle. In the issue, in the, whatever, in the interest of full transparency, doesn't the Dean Blandino in that moment come on and say, sorry, I didn't see it fast enough? Or, or, does he, or do we not bring him on for that one? I suppose they wouldn't bring the him on. The answer for that to one. all of this is to have it all, as much as you want to go like one foot breathing, that's it. The answer is get it all off of the television. Go hmm. away. We're going to be mad at your calls no matter what. Don't stop the game for something that's just going to make me mad. So you're going to wipe out challenges and replays. I'm not wiping completely. out challenges and replays. I, I'm, I'm wiping out. I'm getting Mike Pereira out of my television well, set. Well, really, so right. What you I'm want getting, is the NFL just without the rules official because they already they already keep most of this review. They don't even acknowledge the rest. Don't even acknowledge after that there is a review discussion. Right, yeah, right, right. I don't need it. No. Huh. I don't so need any of kick it. Kicking Blandino. I don't. Or not I don't. Blandino. Okay. Don't kick Pereira. Take, don't take me away from a sporting event to get me to a boardroom meeting. Enough. <laughs> yeah, but the play is stopped anyway. It would just be the play-by-play guy and well, the color guy filling time, waiting well, for the review. Right to me, place. that's the only difference. I'm listening to the person actually making the decision rather than the guy that is doing a horrible job guessing at what the decision is going to be. But Instead, the- tell me what's coming up on 60 Minutes. <laughs> I don't even care. I prefer that. Burn notice tonight at 8 yeah. o'clock. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I... I think I still like the... Okay, I still like the guy explaining it to me, even though it's maddening at times because he'll say one thing and the review will be a different decision, even though they both actually watch the same play. Let me get a call and we'll, we'll hold off on the Daytona because I want to make sure CJ gets in. He's been waiting forever. CJ, uh, you're on WGR. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, real quick. It's not even a big talking point, but uh, as far as... Player, main players like Josh Allen and everybody going to All-Star Weekend or the Pro Bowl, which isn't really a game anymore, is pretty much just activities. As a GM, wouldn't it, wouldn't it really help with us not having a large cap to, hey, Josh Allen, just do one. You know, it's advertisement for coming to help us. And I don't mean like we need somebody big or a big name because I really I'm, I think the draft is important. But as far as, like, them actually interacting with Josh Allen, you get to see his leadership. Yeah, you see it on TV. The defensive players actually see him and play him one-on-one, so they already know. But receivers, offensive linemen, does, do you think, like, just getting him to go do one helps uh, Brandon Bean? Or is it just like, don't even worry about it. It doesn't really matter. But for a lot of the league, offensively, they don't really get to interact with somebody like Josh Allen just do one Pro Bowl to help us get over the hump or get that one guy that might take a pay cut and just help us out because he's actually interacted with you. I don't think it would matter at all, CJ, honestly. And I think if anybody wanted to do a little research on, hey, what's your quarterback like, they'd probably have enough connections around the league or people would know that they can kind of do a little bit of homework on that. You know, Maybe a former teammate played here or plays here. So I don't think... The idea of a recruiting visit on one Pro Bowl appearance would would make a big difference. Okay, so I I say that only because so much of almost every league has evolved to social media recruiting. 
yeah. or like everybody's doing it. And I'm like, well, if Von Miller is putting it out there to Odell mm-hmm. Beckham, but Odell Beckham has never seen Josh Allen throw a pass or interacted with Josh Allen face to face. I know he's, he's had a visit. He went to his house. I'm just talking like in, in a football environment where it's like all the guys are there and they get to talk to each other. So yeah. he doesn't just have Bill's players talking. It's like other players like, yeah, he's really good. But Odell, like Odell knows Trey White, right? Odell gets and texts Trey White and says, tell me right. about Josh Allen. I mean, I just right, think. I'm talking about players that, that, that has no like connection to Bills at all. Just just the overall, yeah. just take Josh Allen, do one. That's just me, guys. I know it's not yeah. a big point. I'm just curious if you thought that helps. A couple things I would think. You know, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are also nice guys and might be worth playing with that also could go to the Pro Bowl, whether that's, you know, Burrow or I don't want to say Tyler Huntley. He's the only Pro Bowler I could remember at this <laughs> time. Um, you're also talking about discounts for Pro Bowlers. That might be oh, tough. The, the, the take a take a little less money because you want to yeah. play. with Josh. I wouldn't count on any discounts. Von Miller didn't come here on a discount. No, right? And I don't know if Odell, as we talk about Beckham, we'll see what kind of contract he signs whenever it happens, wherever it happens. But he wasn't. The idea of him this year was like a one year, get some snaps in, maybe prove it, and then you get a big deal. Now that's probably that ship has sailed, and he's going to sign something worth I don't know a couple of years. So I'm just, you know, you could think about it if you want. I'm never thinking about getting a guy to come play for less because in reality, it just doesn't happen that much. I think, CJ, the only thing I could think of where meeting a guy might make a difference would be the opposite end of the equation. Like maybe there's someone, I don't know, I'll just go with Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers can rub people the wrong way. Maybe there's someone out there that you hear like has a bad rep, like, oh, my God, he's a prima donna, he's tough to play with, blah, 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 he doesn't do that, he's not a good teammate. And you really want to go to that team, and uh, you know you're like, oh, you know what? Let me let me find out what this guy's like. Hey, he's not that bad. Okay, I can play with him. But that's such a rare occurrence that I don't think it would ever. You know, they're they're going to make decisions on free agency based on a number of things, and I don't think it would be. I need to meet the guy in person, and that's going to make a difference. I just it's not worth it for the Bills to say, Josh, I need you to go to a Pro Bowl because. And again, by the way, it's one Pro Bowl. So it's in a year when they have cap space, they're targeting a certain free agent, that guy's at the Pro Bowl, and Josh is in the Pro Bowl to court that guy to come to Buffalo. It's you know, you jump it through a lot of hoops and to get to that. I think we can also say any year Josh is in the Pro Bowl, is that a failure? Well, I'd rather him not be in the Pro Bowl. Because because he's preparing to play in the Super Bowl right. the following weekend. So yeah. I so don't... almost every time he, he's invited there. It'll be go, right? it'll be off disappointment. Yeah, he wouldn't want to go anyway. That, he probably comes off a playoff loss that really hurts, and he doesn't want to be there anyway. Right? Yeah. Like this year, or he wants to rest up because he was or banged up, last or year. whatever the case may be. Or yeah, yeah, he wants to play golf. And we and actually, Pro Bowl appearances is a cap thing, right? Doesn't that that can affect your cap? Right? Isn't Pro Bowls part yes. of contracts, and that could actually yes, the more Pro it, Bowls it, means your cap could have it, an issue. It affects your fifth year option. Yeah, if you're, so you know, yeah. What? no, I don't want that. I'm not worried about that. Bonuses, all that stuff. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Jimmy Daytona. What happened? I just no, because this is. I'll do this as quickly as I can. One of the things I don't like about sports is if you rarely watch. Like I would not get on the show and criticize soccer. I don't watch it enough. And if you don't watch a sport that often, but you watch it once or twice, and all of a sudden you say to everybody else who watches it, hey, here's what's wrong with your game. This is what happens during the World Cup. Once and, every four years, yeah, someone's like, that's, yeah, that's stoppage bad. time is dumb. Right, that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think, because if you don't watch it that often, 
You shouldn't be out there going, I got a 10 things list here. Here's what's wrong with soccer. Not only do you not watch it that often, you don't plan to watch it in the future. Yeah. You're just stopping by for a visit yes. and telling people what's wrong with the sport. Because it happened to be their Super Bowl, right? The Daytona 500 is the biggest race of the year for NASCAR. So that's you at Daytona, check, right. checking it out. You don't want to tell them how to rearrange the furniture because you're not staying long. Having said that, I need NASCAR fans to tweet at me, okay? Because I watched golf. By the time I got done with everything I was doing, I'm like, oh, the Daytona 500. There was like 20 laps left in the race. They might even have been under a caution when I tuned in. And then I watched the last few laps, and they get to, they have to go to overtime because they don't, they don't end races under caution, right? So they have overtime. A two-lap shootout. I'm like, hey, this is great. I'm, so I'm locked in. Every time they tried the two-lap shootout, there'd be a crash before they finished the two laps. Yellow flag comes out. We're back under caution. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. And I just thought, well, this is really, this is really frustrating. So again, I'm not picking on your sport, but I want to hear from NASCAR fans and tell me, are you cool with that? I mean, it was really annoying me. I want to see a winner. I want to see the end of the race. The last crash they had, I literally turned off the television only to come back five minutes later and go, oh, look, Ricky, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is celebrating. They ended the, the race under the caution flag on that last crash. So he won, which is, by the way, who wants to see a race under a caution, under a caution flag end that way? So, yeah, it's just restart, crash, yellow, restart, crash, yellow. And I just thought, wow, this is really frustrating. Okay, NASCAR fans, do I, you get upset by that? Well, I'll tell you. Like F1 rarely does. You rarely see that stuff in F1. You and I shared a brain for that one hour because I finished the golf, I tossed on the NASCAR, and I'm like, all right, ready to watch who wins Daytona. And the same thing. I was pumped. Overtime crash, flag crash, and thought. I I thought had the exact same thought. I don't want to tell NASCAR how to do things, but. This seems like a mess. Yes, it does. But again, I don't want to be preachy. I'm not preaching. I don't understand the sport. I don't understand the rules. I, you know, I know cars I, are bunched up and they're drafting and there's, you know, they're gonna they're gonna hit each other. I get it. But it seems like from a fan's perspective, in well, your biggest race of the year, that seems like a terrible way to well, have the race. There's a common thread in a lot of these sports. This can be NASCAR. This can be, um, you know, you might not like the way the golf does the FedEx Cup standings and strokes at the end of the season. You might not like the NHL's playoff. We don't like the playoff format. Right, it's playoff stupid. format. Yeah. I don't like the point system. Every one of these sports really wants to give you and deliver for you an exciting finish on television. Yeah. Right? That's what that's don't finish a race under a caution. Right. Because the whole motive to do that. Did they get it right? Maybe not. Go back and fix it. And the NHL, why did they create the rivalry playoff format? For the rivalries and the television. Mm. And here we are, what, seven years in? And plenty of us would say, like, it's awful. you got to get rid of it, please. Yep. It's it's ruining the Eastern Conference for yep. the better part of a decade. Well, the Leafs, the Leafs, more than anybody else, probably have gotten screwed by the format right. than any other team. The Leafs made a big trade to, finger quotes, go for it. And all they can do is get mocked that they're going to lose in the first round because they're playing one of the five best teams. Sure, they could play Even Tampa in the first round, and if they beat them, ha- have fun with Boston. Boston. That's, that's ridiculous. Yep. No, I, that's why. Well, look, you just talked about the NFL and the you know the guy in the booth, They're, which is making you crazy. I just like I said, I think as a NASCAR fan, you would look at that and go, "You made a rule to not end the race under yellow. You put in these overtimes. They ran two overtimes and ended the race under caution. So yep. what's the point? Yep. So sorry, NASCAR fans. And you know, I'm the, talking out my rear end. Basically. The Leafs are the fourth best team in the league. They will play the sixth best team in the league in the opening round. And then if they win, they'll they play, play the Boston. first best team in the league. Great format. 
Like, who does this? What happened to rewarding teams for an 82-game stretch? Here's your reward. Play two of the best teams in the league just to get out of your division. It is a year where the entire East is like that, though. Yeah. The Rangers and Devils will play each other in the first round. That is the third and fifth best team in the NHL. You have the standings up, right? Somebody tweeted out, I hope I didn't understand this maybe incorrectly. The top six teams are in the East. Yes, are all better than the entire West. Yep. That's crazy. So your opening round matchups will feature Western Conference seedings. Basically, you'll have three plays five and four plays six, while 12 plays 15. And I'm not for going back to one versus 16, two versus 15, and the Sabres playing Vancouver in the first round. I would do that. I wouldn't do it. 100%. But I would at least, at the very least, you have to go back to one through eight inside the conference. The heck with divisions. The heck with one... Versus the wild card, and two has to play three. You must go back to inside your conference. One, earn the right to play eight. And two, earn the right to play seven. And and by the way, divisions, rivalry. You know how many times Toronto plays in Key Bank Center this season? Tomorrow night is it. <laughs> That's a rival in your division. Playing here one. They play in Buffalo the same number of times as the Arizona Coyotes play in Buffalo this season. What are we doing? What the hell's that schedule? All right, Joe, we're late to the break. What are you doing over there, for God's sakes? 803-0550 to join us, WGR. Happy President's Day. (laughs) Oh, pause there. It's President's Day. Who's your favorite president there, Jeremy? President... Thinking like a movie president. Okay, yeah, right. President. The guy pre- in Independence Day. That was oh, I was just trying well, to I remember, remember his name. What was his name? Walker. President. President Walker is from a show, isn't That's it? That's twenty four. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. twenty four. Yeah. Dennis Haysbert was President yeah. How about Walker. Harrison Ford. Can get off get my, off plane. my plane. plane. Air Force One. Yeah. Yes. President in Independence Day, it was President Whitmore, Thomas Whitmore. Pullman? No. Bill Bill, Pullman. Bill Pullman, yeah. He was funny. All right, Howard. Yes, sir. You are a presidential history buff. Nerd. I have a sports conversation to get to on the other side, but a little trivia question. As a vice president, that coined the term nattering nabobs of negativism. Was it Bush? No. The elder? No. You don't know this one? I don't know vice presidents. That's right. You're not a vice president. I'm only presidents. Yeah. Nattering nabobs of Nattering negativism. Nabob. Is fairly recent? This is, or is it old? sounds like it's from the 1800s, that <laughs> phrase. I see. I it's got to be. Since we were alive, this was quoted? Uh, Not me, but you, yes. Nattering. 1970. Spiro Agnew. Yes. Nattering Fingers. nabobs. That whole Nixon administration. <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started, <laughs> as Art Wander would say. Well, I like that, though. That's good use of alliteration. I've got an NHL tie-in. I'd like to talk about the Leafs trade and the nattering nabobs of negativism when we get back. Yeah, we should probably I'm going to defend the Leafs. Yeah, don't, you don't need to do I'm going to do it. No, you don't need to do that. I'm going to defend the Leafs and rip the entire NHL industrial complex careful this is how they got kennedy <laughs> so just, just be mindful of that 803-0550 to join us also coming up after what was it net net something of nabobs of net i can't even remember what it was also coming up this hour we will uh, talk to denver broncos they're on the bill schedule next season we're getting some off-season previews of their opponents 
Broncos in the news. New head coach, maybe Rex Ryan is the defensive coordinator. We'll get into that at 930 on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 